comes up. Here comes up. Y'all don't really worry like that. Yeah. Here comes up. Zero week is upon us. 
high school football is about to jump into high gear across the southeast and and across the country. So, I mean, high school football is such a great thing for me because, you know, I played four years of high school football, better three years, and, and it was possibly one of the best times of my life because I got to play with some of my best friends and some of my brothers. I also got to play against some of my best friends and some of my brothers. So, <coughs> excuse me, for me, high school football is where it is. It's pure. It's, it, it, it's something special. And you get to see those kids grow up and go into college and become better players. And it, it's so exciting just to see that. And we'll be talking a little bit of high school football today, but today, but today is all about the ACC. There's no more Deshaun Watson. There's, you know, there's no more Brad Kaya. But we still have the likes of DeAndre Francois, Eric Dungy, Lamar Jackson, Kirk Binkert of, of Virginia, and so many more quarterbacks. So is this year the year of the quarterback in the ACC? We'll talk about that plus much, much more. In just a little bit, but before we go on, usually, usually I'll do a a devotional at this point. But some disturbing things have happened over the weekend, and for me, this this will take a little bit of precedence to to that. And I was deeply disturbed, and not only was I deeply disturbed, but I was very, very taken aback by the actions that happened in Charlottesville, Virginia last uh, last weekend in regards to the rally and and uh, the subsequent uh, death of, of of a young lady, and and learning more about this this guy who actually did this and. <coughs> For me, it, it, it's really a sad situation when what happened was very racially motivated and I'm trying to find the words to put together in this, but I think one of the big things that, that I really want to get across is no matter what color you are, what race you are, what nationality, what sexual orientation, whatever you decide you want to do. It's not up to us to be the judge, the jury, and the executioner. What we need to do, we need to get back to being one, we need to get back into going to church. We need to get back into becoming a family type atmosphere, becoming Becoming a village. We are so separated as people that we tend to look at other people as enemies when they're really not an enemy. We tend to look at things from a perspective of black and white, which shouldn't be the case. We we are so divided as a people, and we're so divided politically, 
with a president who, <laughs> I mean, We're just divided as a people, and what we need to do is we need to get back to to loving people. We need to get back to loving each other. We need to get back to doing things in a way that's unifying, not destroying anything that's divisive. You know, destroying everything that's divisive, destroying everything that we can – Change for the good, not for the bad. Now, a lot of people are, are criticizing the president because of he's not coming out and saying anything about it until later on. And then some of the comments that he made was was not aesthetically pleasing. It wasn't really becoming of a president. Of course, I'll have those that will disagree with me. But I just, I can't fathom the fact that we have a president who won't take a stance and won't say, hey, this is wrong. What this guy did was wrong. He didn't say anything of the sort, and he really didn't even put himself into a position to say anything that's positive, that's unifying, that could unify not only his party, but can unify the states, the United States as a whole. Because you have those who say that Donald Trump is the most disrespected president in the country ever. But we look at number 44 and we see how disrespected he was. How a lot of things were said that were racially motivated. How a lot of things that were said about his wife, about his family. When facts are this. She made more money than him She was a breadwinner She was a high-ranking attorney She worked for a high-ranking firm She did non-profit work She did all these other things But nobody talks about that Nobody talks about the positive They always want to talk about the negatives We haven't said anything About this guy In a negative light We haven't said anything about him in a positive light Everybody has their opinions about, about the president I have my opinions about the president But again They're my opinions I also have my opinions on what happened This past weekend And I'm expressing them right now what we have here is unacceptable. What we have here is a lack of a lack of we have a lack of it's just a it's just a, a, a lack of respect for certain people. We have a lack of respect for certain races, certain certain religions, certain Certain sexual orientations And it makes us Look real bad Not only in the public eye Here in the states But in the world's eye It makes I mean it makes no sense 
So, and what I'm saying right now is this. Let's love each other. Put all the differences aside. Put all the hatred aside. Because when you hate somebody, you really hate yourself. When you love somebody, that means that you love yourself. You can't be... You can't have bigoted emotions and love everybody because you really don't love anybody. You don't even love yourself. So what we need to get back to doing, we need to become a village. We need to become unified again. We need to learn how to love each other again. Put all the racist BS behind us because that's what it is. We're living in an age where we all live in the same neighborhoods in some cases. We live in, <coughs> excuse me, there are some places where not only do we live in the same neighborhoods, we go to the same private schools, we go to the same barbers, we go, we go to the same stores. What else can I say that can make anybody See what I'm seeing. We have to get back to it. We have to get back to it in any way possible, any shape possible. Until then, we're going to be this nation that's divided, that's just not the nation that. I knew grew up growing up. We're turning back into the nation of back then. And that's not good. Because other people can come in and divide and conquer. And when they divide and conquer, where do we become? Little food for thought. But we're going to take a quick station break. He'll be right back. In my helmet, cleats, and shoulder pads. Standing in the huddle, listening to the call. Fans going crazy for the boys that fall. They didn't let just anybody in that club. Took every ounce of heart and sweat and blood. Get the widow's game day jerseys down the hall. The kings of the school, man, where the boys are fall. Well, let's turn and face the stars and stripes. Fighting back them butterflies. Call it in the air, all right. 
right now and one of the biggest things that, that we we talk about is the play of the Clemson Tigers and how they've evolved from being this this also ran team for for so long after their national championship win back in the eighties to a team who was developing into a into a national power under under Coach Bowden, under Tommy Bowden and now Developing from an almost their school to a school that's won ten ten games six straight years. This is a Clemson Tigers team that a lot of people are talking about could be on a downward slope, so to speak. You know, they're replacing replacing a lot of people on 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 the offensive side of the ball. You know, you lose a guy like a Deshaun Watson who. Is the only is one of the one of I think ten quarterbacks to throw 
for over 10,000 yards in both their high school years and their college years. That's impressive. This is also a guy who's who's gone on to the NFL and could possibly start in the NFL. And then you look at some of the quarterbacks that they got coming in this year. They're not hurting for quarterbacks. The cover's not quite unbare there. You got a guy, Kelly Bryant, who sat behind both Nick Schusler and and aforementioned Deshaun Watson. You have a kid, you have two freshmen that are coming in. They were both at least 11 quarterbacks. One of them could be a starter as a true freshman. That's Hunter Johnson of Avon, Indiana. And you have another kid by the name of Chase Bryce who, whose uncle is Mickey Kahn, who is an assistant coach there at Clemson, who's also a former coach at Grayson High School. As I mentioned, alma mater of Nick Schusler. Nick Schusler is also Chase Bryce's first cousin. He was also nephew of Mickey Kahn. So we look at it from that standpoint. We look at some of the guys that they've lost. The Grayson, like I said, there's a lot of Grayson influence here. You know, Wayne Zalman's gone, another Grayson player. Nick Schusler, who led the ACC in pass efficiency, quote unquote, because he threw more than 30 passes. This is the guy who led the ACC in pass efficiency. I mean, no matter how you look at it, he, he led the ACC in pass efficiency. We look at Clemson. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Clemson right now, and everybody's talking about how they think that this is Jimbo Fisher's best team yet. This may be Jimbo Fisher's best team yet, but defensively for Clemson, this may be the best defensive team that they have yet. We thought the teams of 15 and 16 were good defensively. But this 17 team could be just as good, if not better. And we're talking about the Atlantic Division right now. And a lot of people are picking Florida State to win the division. I think Florida State has the favorable schedule to win to win the division. But I like this Clemson team. If they can find a quarterback, if they can find if they can find a running back that can complement Tavion Feaster with C.J. Fuller and one of those guys, Adam Choice, who. Is another guy. And then with those great receivers that they have in Hunter Renfro, Raymond McLeod, and Deion Kane, who could possibly be the guy that's going to have the breakout year. Hunter Renfro being the possession receiver that can that can get you catches. You lose a lot of you lose a lot of players on the team. Mike Williams, like I said, Deshaun Watson, Wayne Gallen, Mike Williams. And Jordan Leggett is gone as well. I mean, so you look at what you have here with this Clemson team. You have five starters back. Well, you might as well say you have seven starters back because maybe eight starters back on on this Clemson team. Is that good enough to to, to actually 
defend their their division championship against the Florida States, against the against the Louisville's and against the NC States. Quite possibly, quite possibly. But with Clemson, Clemson is always always had this this knack for winning games that they shouldn't win. Do I think that they can win 13, 14 games again this year? Do I think that they'll win the ACC Atlantic? I think they could. I think they possibly could. But let's look at a team like a Florida State. Florida State returns a great quarterback in, in DeAndre Francois who threw for almost 4,000 yards, threw for almost 3,500 yards, I'm sorry, 20 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. And there's a lot of times where those 20 touchdowns could have been 30, 35 touchdowns if he made the right reads. And And this is a kid, again, Elite 11 quarterback, great skills, a dual threat, but he's also a, he's a dual threat who can stay in the pocket and throw the ball. The duel he had with Chad Kelly last year in that opening game against Ole Miss showed me everything I need to know about this kid. This kid's a tough kid. This kid's, this kid's not easily rattled. And that's what makes this Florida State team that dangerous, that that much more dangerous. I really think Florida State has a chance here. You know, you have a lot of you have a lot of kids coming back from this too deep. You have over fifteen start you have in their too deep on both sides of the ball, you have about thirty players that have played that have played in games at Florida State. Maybe maybe a little bit more. I, I would I would up that number to probably forty that have played, you know, significant time for Florida State. So defensively, you look at how many guys have got coming back. Nine starters coming back, but you can if you add in other guys who played like the Derwin James who was off early in the season, like the Kyle Myers who who was, who didn't play much last year. You add in other guys like Emmett Rice, who who played a little bit last year. Jalen Wilkerson, who is a was a big time recruit coming out of high school, and is yet to fulfill that potential. He's a redshirt sophomore this year. He's going to get a lot of playing time. Brian Burns played a little bit last year. We we know what Florida State has defensively. They're going to be really good defensively. I mean, they were really good last year. Even though they gave up a lot of points, they were really good against the run. They were really good against the pass. <clears throat> they were middle of the road against the pass, but they kept themselves in games. This is this is really this is a good Florida State team that can be even better. But they got a tough, tough schedule. They got a favorable schedule. Within conference, but open a game against against Alabama, a good Louisiana Monroe team 
that's not on the same level as Florida State, but can give you fits because of the way that they play defense and because they run a they run a four two five that morphs into a three three five that morphs into a five one five type defense. So I mean, they run multiple defenses. They give you multiple fronts. They're also a high octane spread option type team that can give you just crazy looks on the offensive side as well. So this is a good a good Louisiana Monroe team that you have come, coming into Florida State. And, of course, they have Miami. But then you've got tough testing against NC State, which is a crossover. You have Wake Forest. I mean, uh, this this is this is one of those one of those things where I mean one of, this is one of those schedules where one slip up can cost you not only in the conference race but can also cost you in the playoff race. So we're looking at Florida State, Florida State, Clemson. They they are obviously the, the top two favorites, but let's not forget about the Louisville Cardinals and reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Lamar Jackson. This is a guy who just did, it was a do-everything, any kind of way kind of guy. The kid's only 19 years old. He's 19 years old. He he, he won't, he, he just, well, I'm sorry, he just turned 20 years old. So that further lets you know how mature Lamar Jackson is. You know, you finish nine and four, but of those four losses, I mean, you lose, you lose by six. You get blown out by Houston, and you lose to Kentucky. And, and, and you know, you lose to Kentucky in your season finale, and then you 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 meet up with a good LSU team. I mean, so nine and four. Is very respectable. I mean, you look at it. You look at Lamar Jackson. Similar numbers to to Jonathan Francois, except he had more touchdowns. And like I said, you know, him having thirty touchdowns passing. And you look at you look at his at his rushing his rushing stats. Almost two thousand yards rushing. You know, then you add in the lost yardage. I mean, 50, almost 1,600 yards rushing, and he had 21 touchdowns. He's a true dual threat who probably has a better arm than people think. Does that Will that translate to being an NFL-type quarterback? I think if he stays the extra year, I think that you'll see him there. Will we see a decline in, in Lamar Jackson? Probably not. I don't, I don't think there'll be a decline. I, I don't think there'll be a decline. But I think the numbers will. I think his. I think his passing numbers will improve. I think the rushing numbers will come down a little bit, because I think you're going to see him try to mature and try to look at things from a different perspective. He's going to stay in the pocket a little bit more. They're also going to move the pocket with him a little bit more. They got a hot saying offense. You can run his own read with him, and if they find a running back to go along with him, you know the Trace Smith. Jeremy Smith, I mean, they all played some last year, especially Jeremy Smith. I mean, he played last year, had eight touchdowns. 
on um, on fifty some fifty some odd carries, almost four hundred yards, and had eight touchdowns. So, if you get him going, you know you could have another thousand yard rusher. You know to go along with Lamar Jackson. I mean, Lamar Jackson's going to give, like I said, Lamar Jackson's going to give you something just a little bit different this year. I don't think you'll see him run the ball as much. I don't think you'll see him take off down the field as much. I think you'll see him trusting his eyes and trusting the receivers that he has around him because he's got some pretty good receivers around him. Um, Seth Dawkins is going to be is coming back. You know, he wasn't a starter last year, but he could definitely give you something. Reggie Bonifon is going to give you going to give you a little bit because he's a converted quarterback. So <coughs> Bonifon is going to give you something a little bit different because, like I said, he's a he's he's a former starting he's a former quarterback. He was a starter. He played a few games as quarterback, not last year, but year before. So that just tells you a little bit right there. This, this guy has some weapons. He has some weapons, and and everybody that's coming back this year. Like the Jalen Smith, like the like Jalen Smith, you know, who's coming back. He had six touchdowns on six hundred, on you know, on th- almost thirty receptions for six hundred yards, and 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 um, eight and six touchdowns. I mean, so you have you have a lot of a lot of comeback in these guys, guys that weren't starters before, but guys who can who contributed and and gave you something in the passing game. So again. With the guys that I just mentioned, the Jalen Smith, the Trayvon Samuels, Jeremy Smith, Seth Dawkins, I mean, all these guys had receptions last year, and all those guys had touchdowns, caught touchdown passes last year from the aforementioned Lamar Jackson. So, with that being said, who's to say that you won't see Lamar Jackson throw the ball for 4,000 yards? I think that he could possibly throw the ball for – 4,000, 4,200 yards, 35 touchdowns, 40 touchdowns. If they can find the offensive line that that they can put together. I mean, because you lost a lot on that offensive line from last year. Then you had some that played last year. So I, I'm very excited to see this Louisville team. And I'm very excited to see them, see them against – in conference, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to see them against the Clemson's. I'm ready to see them against the NC State's, against the Florida State's. You know, I just really think that this is a good, this is a good, good team that is a little bit on the young side. Do I think they'll contend for for, for the ACC Atlantic? Yeah, but no. Do I think that they have the firepower to win the Atlantic? They've got to have some things going their way. And one of those things is they've got to get a win against Florida State or Clemson. they got to win against Florida State last year. They blitzed Florida State last year. They lost to Clemson by a touchdown, by six. So this is a good Louisville team. We've seen the Jekyll and Hyde in them the last four or five games of the season last year. But if they put it together, this is a team that I think could win 10 games. <clears throat> could win 10 games. Nine, 10 games, I would say. And put themselves in the mix. Do I think they win the Atlanta this year? I think not. But let's not discount 
Louisville. NC State in the same way. I mean, we look at NC State. NC State, if they can pull off some wins, but they've got to they've got to beat at least two of the top three. They got to beat Louisville, Clemson, and Florida State. One, two of the three, in order to vault themselves into the Atlantic Division. Do I think that they get that far? No, I think they're a year or so away. But don't get me wrong. Don't don't get me wrong. Dave Dorn and the and the things that he's done with that team. You know, you have a guy like Ryan like Ryan Finley, who is a gunslinger. You have a running back. You have a running back like Naeem, like Naeem Hines who had flashes of brilliance last year but didn't put it all together. This is a deep team this year, and they're only going to get deeper because they get recruits next year. And it's the same thing with Syracuse. Syracuse, do I think that they'll, do I think that they'll be a dark horse? I think they're going to give a lot of people some scares this year. You have the right coach. In the right in the right place right now, Dino Babers is probably the best coach. With the, he's probably the best coach in a pretty bad situation at Syracuse. Syracuse has a storied history of great players. They have a storied history of great coaches. But in the last few years. You know, some of the facilities that they have are outdated. Some of the things that that you think that you that you could have at an SEC school at an ACC school, they don't have they don't have the facilities to compete with the NC States, the Florida States, the Miamis. I mean, hell, Miami don't even have the facilities <laughs> that they need to be for real with you. But I look at Syracuse. You know they're getting a new indoor facility. There's some talk that there may be some reconstruction done to to the Carrier Dome, um, possibly adding more seats, possibly putting a new putting a new dome on top of on top of this on top of the on top of the actual dome itself. So you know there's a lot of things going on there. There's also some talk of the Carrier Dome being torn down and rebuilt. So where there'll be a new basketball arena and a new football stadium there. So there's a lot of there's a lot of rumors going around about the facilities at Syracuse. But Syracuse continues to they're gonna continue to be behind eight ball because they don't because A they they recruit in state very well, and when you recruit in state, you keep the kids that you need in state. That makes you that makes you that much more viable in, in in some cases. But when you recruiting against the likes of Buffalo, Army, Connecticut, Rutgers. You know, when Rutgers gets their gets their chance at, you know, not only not only North, Northern New Jersey but also NYC. You know, and when you can recruit the football players from New York City and all the surrounding areas and Long Island, because Long Island has some great football out there as well. 
New York is underrated as a football state as well. So, I mean, you've got fertile areas in New York that Syracuse can't quite grasp because you have other schools around them that are grasping at the same at the same at the same players. The same pool of players. So Buffalo, Syracuse, Rutgers, Yukon, you know, and then also, you know, you can throw in Temple, you can also throw in um Penn State who does a lot of recruiting out of New York, out of Ohio and out of the out of Pennsylvania. If they can like I said, if they can keep the core players that are really good in-state, in-state players to come to Syracuse, this could be a good Syracuse team for the future. If they can go out and recruit some, some players from other speed states, like the Floridas, like Georgia, like Indiana, like Illinois, Ohio, Pennsylvania, so have you, this could be a good Syracuse team. But until they do that, they're gonna be mired in a muck, so to speak, and that's just it's not a good look for Syracuse. You know, when you can get great basketball recruits to come nationwide, you should be able to get great football recruits to come nationwide as well. So, but first they gotta win some ball. They gotta win some ball games. Dino Babers is a guy that can that's gonna work with less. He done it at Bowling Green. He did it at. He did it at Liberty. He did. I mean, he he's done it everywhere he's coached at. So, Dino Babers is the right guy in the right spot right now for Syracuse. Do I think they get the six wins this year? It's gonna be a stretch with their with their the out of conference schedule. It's gonna be a real stretch. I mean, they got a return date with LSU. At LSU, a team that you that you you took to the brink pretty much a couple. I mean, a team you took to the brink a couple of years ago, and then you look at some of the, some of the teams they played last year. You know, opening up season. I mean, these are good teams. And you got a good Central Connecticut State team from the FBS, who I think is going to be a dark horse. Uh, in the FCS, and it could possibly be a playoff team in the FCS. Middle Tennessee, a lot of rebuilding there this year. They lost a lot last year, but they still have a lot there. So I mean, they have a mixture of young and old players. Middle can be a middle. Middle could be a win for them. Central Michigan is, is, is as good as any any team in the MAC right now. They recruited well this past this past off season. They got some four star athletes. To come and got some even got some guys to flip from Big Ten schools to come to Central Michigan. So this is a good this is a good Central Michigan team as well. So for them to get six wins, they gotta win at they gotta they gotta go three and zero against Central Connecticut State, Middle Tennessee, and Central Michigan. And then they gotta pull off some big wins within conference, and that's highly unlikely. With the with the clubs that they they're playing this year, especially the crossover teams like Miami, and like Miami, like Boston College. So I mean, it's going to be very 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 difficult for them to to be that team again. So very, I see them 
I could see them winning six games and making the bowl game. But they've got to get at least two, maybe three wins out of each conference in order to get the six wins. They may even need four wins to get six wins. I mean, because this, I mean, this is this is a good middle middle Tennessee team. So I mean, like you could possibly going into LSU one and two, and then going into the conference play one and three. So. Syracuse has to be cognizant of the games that they play. They need to take things one week at a time. Then I can see them possibly winning six games. I I can see them winning six games. I I mean, like I said, it's a stretch, but it could be done. So, so yes, and they do have a really good graduation rate too, which could possibly vault them into a bowl game at five and seven. So, but let's just let's just hope against hope on that one. So. That being said, Wake Forest is Wake Forest is, is, is probably a year away. I, I do believe. I think Wake Forest is a year away. I think Syracuse is possibly a year away. But they're gonna give some teams some real scares. I mean they're gonna give some teams some real scares because the way they play offense, the way they play defense I mean, this is a really good defensive team last year in Wake Forest. <clears throat> and they also made it into a bowl game, and they won that bowl game as well. So, this Wake Forest team, six wins is not out of the realm of possibility. Seven wins, I think they can even get seven wins. It's going to be a stretch to get eight wins. I think it'll be a stretch to get eight wins simply because of the schedules that they play, and because of the division that they're in. So, that being said, we've previewed all seven schools in the the Atlantic. Here's my take on the Atlantic. The Atlantic, like like the Big Ten East, like the SEC West, and like the the Pac-12 South, they're going to cannibalize themselves because you've got some really good teams that are playing each other, and it's going to be a round robin. And you also got some dark horses, like the aforementioned Lake Forest, like Boston College, who I think Boston College could be could be a dark horse this year. I mean, <laughs> who could be a, a dark horse this year if they find the quarterback and if they can keep the defense off the field. 10, 15 plays at a time like they didn't do last year, and that's what cost them not only in their not in the season, but also in their bowl game. So, so yes, here's my take on the on the Atlantic. The game of the year in the Atlantic will be Florida State Clemson, and the reason why I say that's going to be the big game because that's probably that's possibly going to be the game that's going to that's going to basically decide who the winner of the, of the Atlantic is. But let's not give up on the likes of Louisville and NC State. Louisville and NC State have shown have shown that they can beat teams like like the aforementioned Florida State teams and the aforementioned Clemson teams. These are teams that can play with those teams and can compete with them and can beat them. The Wake Forest of the world 
I think they're dark horses, but do I think that they're dark horses enough? Do I think that they they have enough to be a team that will contend? I think that that's a, this is a wait until next year type of thing with both Wake Forest and Syracuse because they're they're that they're they're they have little things they have that, that they need, but they also need experience. They also need some some back some some depth. So. You look at Wake Forest, you look at Syracuse, Wake Forest could be a dark horse. I doubt it. But they can pick off some pretty good um, they can pick off some pretty good wins and some pretty big wins. Boston College, the same situation. Syracuse, I think they're a year away. I really think that they I really think that they are a year away. I think that they are they are good. But they they're missing a, they're missing something. There's something missing at Syracuse. They've got a kid by the name of Tommy DeVito who's coming in, who is a who is a stud quarterback. Who didn't get didn't get the recruits, didn't get a lot of recruiting opportunities. But he also he also committed early as well. So Wake Forest, Boston College. <coughs> Possible dark horses. NC State is a dark horse. Is a is a contender. But do I think that they they break that top three? No, 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 no. But I think they get close. So me and the way I, I forecast the Atlantic, I think Clemson beats Florida State. I think Clemson beats Florida State early. I think. Louisville beats Clemson, and then and so on and so forth. And then Florida State beats Louisville. So that being said, I think the highest ranked playoff team will win, and that's possibly going to be Clemson. I think Clemson has the tougher schedule of the three. I think that they have the better schedule of the three. You know, with tests against Auburn and and <laughs> with Auburn. Uh, on their schedule and everything, I think that you you have. I mean, you have a little bit of advantage. You have a little bit of advantage there. You know, with Auburn on your on your schedule, and then, you know, you play Auburn, and then you you turn around and play Louisville. You know, on the sixteenth. So, that's a big time. That's a big time matchup there. So, my lineup is this: I think Clemson wins the Atlantic. I think Florida State is going to be close. I think I think Florida State and Clemson can 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 go back and forth, but ultimately I think Clemson will win the Atlantic for the third year in a row. But don't discount Florida State and definitely don't discount Louisville. I think Florida State will be two. I think Louisville will be three. NC State will be four. But don't be surprised if NC State jumps into that into that two or three position. Boston College, Wake Forest, they're dark horses, but they're not quite there. As they don't, uh, they're not quite there yet. So, and I think Syracuse is a year away. So, that being said, Clemson, Florida State, Louisville, NC State, Wake Forest, Boston College, Syracuse. That's the way I see the Atlantic going. We're going to take a quick session break. We'll be right back. We'll talk about the Coastal. Y'all stay tuned.
people still searching for this truth here. Hey, what you doing, man? Uh. Hey, your world just living in it. Maybe I can get a word. Yeah. Uh. Boston, Massachusetts. Home with a pride of music. Through the minds of men, I can get away. Through the time in the end, I can get away. Hey, Maybe at the crib, I can get away. Yeah. I'm so dumb, I'm so dumb. Still pushing more drive than your new band. Still got a tight aim for the loose ends. Betting fools, I can pay dues with my two cents. I'm hippie paint to your gray world. Black and white through the crowd like they were. They showing true color when you take away the pigment. Still ain't the same. When you take away the difference in it. Blasting it all, vivid and flying with no engine. They running with all gimmick. Uh, right about the blue like a scout fell. Stand back, shit calm like a sidebell. Faded in the mind. A 9 5 product at a time. Soon navigation, new direction for the blind. 24 chance, 7 battle, get time with a 617 on the side. Let them ride. I hear Cali for the in and out Got the normal scene on a different route So they wonder what the kid about Meet it from the views, never know until you live it out 90 minute winning from records that I was checking on Living by the minute, don't gotta capture the image Ain't it dag, how me and music could get along New control, mood switching with a different song Since gon' hit him like a chill pill pop Rhyme game patient at the L kids jock I love it for what it is, I hate it for what it's not I'm no ass no, no, Mac, no, Adam's not, we not them no, With the lights on my own, I set the stage Through the balance of the stones, I get away Through the minds of the best, I can get away If I'm not, what I'm in a day Yeah hey. I can get away Ain't no time I can get away. Ain't on a getaway. New fellas ain't rockin' in, uh, same bitch just droppin' in, uh, why you sound like you locked it in, well, can't be the better jacket then, through the lights on my own, I get away, new mic, new stage, new life, new game, new price, same vision, new hype, if I can get away, at Steve's crib, if I can get away, like a villain on a getaway, see the pedal break,
www.desertstormradio.com Your global DJ network Brought to you by the world famous DJ Clue Welcome back to the Press Box and the Tailgate Crew My name is Jermaine The main event is in the building We're talking all things ACC right now And before we jump into the Coastal Division I'm going to just give you some of my thoughts on who I think will possibly be the player of the year, the coach of the year uh, right now. And there's a lot of coaches to, to you know, nominate this year that, can do, that have done great things with, with the programs that they have. The aforementioned Steve Adagio, you know, Dabo Sweeney, and, you know, Bobby Petrino and, and Jimbo Fisher are the status quo. But when you look at some of the other coaches, like the Dave Dorns, the Dave Coffins, Dino Babers, David Cutcliffe of the world, I mean, you look at what they've done for their for their schools and in the times that they've been there, especially David Cutcliffe making Duke credible. You know, they were credible under C. Spurrier, but – Nothing since then. And you've gone through guys like Ted Roof, and I mean that that's just one that just comes to mind. But Ted Roof, you know, and now David Cutcliffe come in, and in nine years, making it to four straight bowl games, and then last year kind of falling off a little bit, you know, and a lot of that has to do with injuries. A lot of that has to do with Silly mistakes late in ball games. I mean, you lose ball games by three points. You win ball games by three points. I mean, you know, hmm. But I think the early the early candidates for coach of the year, I think, are guys like the Dave Cossons, guys like. I mean, I, I love Dave Cossons. I, I like Dave Dorn. I like Dino Babers. I think those are the three right now. Aside from the status quo, you know, and the status quo I would say is the David Cutcliffe, the Paul Johnson, Jimbo Fishers, Dabo Sweeney's, and and Larry Fedor. So if you're looking for coach of the year candidates that are not those those people, look at Dave Dorn, look at Dino Babers, and look at and look at Dave Coffin. I think those are the three guys whose teams are on the on the rise, and not only they on the rise, but I think that there are there are teams that there are schools that that are really good, really really good. So let's just let's just see what happens during the season. We go to the now and my player of the year. I mean. You have to look at the guys like DeAndre, DeAndre Francois, the Lamar Jacksons, but you also have to look at other guys as well. I, I'm going to give you some guys I think could be player of year type candidates in the ACC that a lot of people aren't talking about. Quadri Allison of Pittsburgh. I think he's going to be a thousand yard rusher this year. I'll talk about him more in a little bit. I think I think you give a guy like Trayvon McMillan the ball. You know, he's not really heard of much, but he's a guy who can who can run the rock. Um, 
I think if you look at receivers that could possibly be player player your type candidates, you look at guys. I mean, you look at guys like like the Deion Cain who could have a breakout year. The Jalen Samuels who had a really good year last year. Or you look on the defensive side of the ball, defensive player of the year. For me, I I, I just think that the defensive player of the year is gonna be a guy. For like a like a Derwin James, who I think could play anywhere on the, on the field. Michael Tyson is going to give you going to give you not only take a day off, but I like the Derwin James. I like Tavar. I like I like Derwin James. I love Quinn Blanding at Virginia. I think this these those two safeties right there could be your could be your defensive player of the year, but. There should also be some other players that could possibly show up and show out as well. Um, one of the, one of the players that, that I, I, I'm really high up on is R.J. McIntosh. Now, I really talked about him, but he is a pass rushing machine as a defensive tackle. So, and he can stop the run. So, he's looking at a guy like him. So, you know, there's a lot of guys there, and I, I, like I said, there's a lot of guys there. But the guy I think who will be the, the defensive player of the year will be Derwin James of Florida State. Offensive player of the year, I think will I think will be DeAndre Francois. I just think that he's going to have a better year than people think, even better year than, than Lamar Jackson. With that being said, does Lamar Jackson make it back to New York? Does DeAndre Francois make it to New York? I think one of the two will. Not sure which one. I think whoever plays the best in their showdown against each other will possibly get the nod. So that's the way I'll go with that. So let's jump right into the Coastal Division. And a lot of schools, uh, there's a lot of really good schools in the Coastal. And I'm just going to start with the one that I think that that's going to be much improved but not but not at that level yet. And I'm going to start with Virginia. Bronco Mendenhall, he inherited just, I mean, he inherited a bare closet of players. Let's just put it that way. When he took over at Virginia, I, I, I thought it was, a, I thought it was a bad idea that he took over at Virginia. I really did. And, with the way that hit with the with the with the school the, the no the team he had at BYU, you know eleven years at BYU, and you take them to nine bowl games, well ten bowl games, and and everything, it, it just it really it really behooved me to, to think that he would move the way that he moved. But when he did, it, it, it shocked me more so than it did than did anything. But I think that he needed he needed the the change. And when you look at it from that standpoint, I mean, you go from winning ninety nine games at at BYU to winning just two games at Virginia with was just uh, I don't want to call it a garbage team because they're they're not really garbage. They're just they're just really really young. And not only is Virginia one of those schools 
um, you know, that has a football tradition from the Tiki the Tiki Bar the Barber twins, um, Sean Moore, Herman Moore. You know, you go back to that to those to those guys. You know, Al Grove, You know, start off well and then went to crap. You know, Mike London comes in from Richmond after winning the national championship, one winning season in, in six years. And, and let's just face it, man, 2014 and 15 for Virginia, they just had injuries after injuries after injuries, death after death after death problems. But here's the thing that a lot of people don't understand about Virginia that, that I do. Virginia is like Virginia, Illinois, and you know, Virginia, Illinois, in particular, they're state schools, but the academic part of it is very, very difficult at Virginia. I mean, if you look at it from that standpoint, I mean, because Virginia is is like a public ivy, in in a sense, um, you know you. You say the same things about Georgia. You say the same thing about about Florida State, and you say the same thing about um, about Virginia. You know, they're they're public. I mean, with the way that they take the education and the way that they do everything around the education part of it, it's really, really, really stringent and. That's why you don't get the recruits at Virginia that you should because you look at you look at Charlottesville and you look at in, in that general area, the D.C. Maryland area, and even around the Virginia Beach area. Virginia, Virginia is a fertile base for football. I mean, football is king in some of those places. You look at Virginia, you look at Virginia being a basketball school at times. You also see them being a football school at times because of, because of some of the players that they've had in the past. Like I said, the aforementioned Tiki Barber, the Billy McMullins, the Herman Morris. So, I mean, you look at it from that standpoint. This Virginia team, they're going to be as good, if not better, in the next two years, because they're going to start getting those players that the smart, the smart players who want to play, who wants to play at a high level. You're going to have good players that possibly won't play in the NFL, but will go on and and do other things in in their lives. And you got a guy like Bronco Mendenhall, who like BYU. You kind of you kind of root for him in a sense because he, he you know what you're going to get from a Bronco Mendenhall coach team. They're very strong. They could be very strong defensively. They could be better offensively once they find the quarterback. Once they find the depth that they need, and this could be a really good Virginia a Virginia team in the next two years. So. 
Virginia's at the very bottom to me. Do they get four or five wins this year? I think they get three, four at the most. I mean, you gotta go to. In, I mean, you got Indiana at home, which is which is not a layup. You got Connecticut at home, which is not a layup. You go to Boise on a Friday night, which <laughs> you're playing on the blue, and they're gonna destroy you. You know, and then you then you have the off week, and then the rest of the season is all ACC games, and I don't see where you can get four, like six wins out of the out of the schedule, because you got a good you got a good Boston College team, you got a good you got a good Duke team, good North Carolina team, Boston College. I mean, Duke is probably a possibility. <laughs> I mean. Honestly, I see I see four wins out of out of this schedule, and that's not even being a slight on 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 Virginia. It's just a rebuilding effort with that kind of schedule, especially when you're in a really good ACC Coastal Division that's not as wide open as people think, but. It's not as deep as the as the Atlantic, so <laughs> Virginia's going to struggle again this year. I, I just really think they're going to struggle again this year. Also, I, I just don't I don't think that they have the players to compete in the ACC Coastal as yet. Duke Duke was an abomination last year. You know injuries, mistakes. I mean, crazy mistakes that they made last year. And then you lose four games by three points. You lose four games by three points. And then you get blown out the other two games. Duke, you know, the, the education value again at Duke, like Virginia, is very, very high. So you're going to have to be creative with your, with your recruiting efforts. Duke has done that over the last nine years. Four straight bowl games last year. You know they didn't go to a bowl game, but this is a good Duke team, and they're going to be a better Duke team than what they were last year. Daniel Jones, for me, is is the real deal. He's going to be a better quarterback than people think. Do I think that that Duke will win six games? With the schedule they have, they could win six games. I think they can pull off some upsets. I think they have the team to pull off upsets. It's just a matter of them making mistakes, not making mistakes, playing air-free ball like they've been doing. I just I think a David Cutcliffe team in this environment right now, you know, with a team, you know, you gotta play. You're going. You're at home to Northwestern. You're at home to Baylor. This is a good, a good schedule. It's a favorable schedule as well. So, can they get the six wins? Yes, I think they can get the six wins. I think they can possibly get the seven wins. But if I, if if I'm a betting man, I think five and seven will be a good thing. Five and seven could possibly be could be the likely record. But with the way that they play ball at Duke, 
six wins is not out of the question. Seven wins is not out of the question. So I'll I'll give Duke a pass here. Do I think that they'll be a dark horse out of the, out of the coastal? I'm sorry, out of the, out of the coastal. No, I, I think that they're your way. I think you lose a guy like Thomas Sirk, and then you lose a guy, and then you lose the receivers that they lost, Gladden like McCaffrey's, and then you lose, then you lose the defensive the defensive guys that you lose, as well as the punter, your punter and your kicker. That this is this is no, it's it's not a rebuilding effort, but it's not a. It's not a rebuilding effort. It's not a reloading effort. It's just getting back to where you were before type of deal. And getting back to where they were before is getting back to winning football, getting back to being a school that can recruit those guys who can play ball and and is really smart. You know, being creative in your recruiting, that's what Duke does best. Do I think Duke? Like I said, do I think Duke wins six games? It's not a realm of possibilities, but they won't contend for the for the coastal this year. And I'll give you I'll give you three reasons why: Miami, Virginia, Miami, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech. There you go. I mean, I just I I look at I look at the ACC as a whole. And a lot of people think that Miami Miami's gonna win the win the coastal. And you know, nine times out of ten I, I would agree. But simply because of the the reputation that that Miami has for being a great team. Will we finally see it in Miami Florida State type type championship game? Give me one second, I'll let you know. I would I would have said yes if Brad Kyer was to have stayed. But I'm not so sure now because you don't know what kind of quarterback you have. Nikosi Perry is a guy that, that you hear so much about a dual threat quarterback who likes to stay in the pocket and throw the ball. Only runs when he has to. But then you have a guy you got some guys that you recruited, the DJ Dallas, who was a quarterback, uh, who was a quarterback that you're going to move to defensive back. I would not be surprised if you move him back to quarterback though, because he's got that kind, he's got that kind of skill set to be great. But I look at I look at the defensive side of the ball for Miami, seven people back, a lot of people that have played that played last year. But you're gonna be young in the, in the in the secondary, which could be a good thing or a bad thing depending on who you ask around the ACC. Manny Diaz is a guy, is a great coordinator. He's gonna figure it out. That's why I think. That's why I think Miami may win the Coastal, but if they don't find a quarterback play. And they don't find someone to compliment Mark Walton in the backfield. This could be a long season for Miami. 
could be a very long season for Miami. But at the same token, defense will carry Miami will carry Miami through the day this year. And they've got a really good schedule. They've got a favorable schedule as well. You know, you got you got a good Pittsburgh team at home. You gotta go to Pittsburgh. But then you have Virginia, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, Syracuse, Georgia Tech, all at home. You know, you have to go to Florida State and you have to go to Duke and you have to go to North Carolina. Those are your tests. Those are your big tests. Your big road tests. But all your other games are in the very friendly confines of of Hard Rock Stadium. So I like the fact that you have here a really good schedule for Miami. Do I think that they win the Coastal? Yeah, give me a second. I, I, I'll give you reasons why they can, and I'll give you reasons why they can't. All right? So, North Carolina. North Carolina loses their quarterback as well to the Bears. I mean, Trubisky, yeah, I, I like it. But here's a, here's here's the thing I love about North Carolina. They bring in LSU graduate transfer Brandon Harris. Who can throw? Who can throw the rock? Throws it like a pill. I think he's gonna be the big, the big deal there. Stanton Truett is going to is going to graduate. Is 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 also a transfer from Auburn, uh, who's a graduate transfer from Auburn, who has two years left, two years to play. <coughs> who has two years to play, and you know I hated losing Stanton from Auburn. Uh, from the Auburn role, but him at North Carolina is a good is a good spot um, for him. I think you're going to see him be a better, be an even better player than what he was at Auburn. I think you're going to see him be more explosive. I mean, because you had so many other explosive players with him as well at Auburn that you really didn't see him as much. So, with that being said, you look at him. You look at him in the North Carolina offense. Alongside Austin Pro, alongside guys like that, oh boy, Jordan Cunningham's, you know, players like that. I mean, you you look at you look at them from that that standpoint. This is going to be this is going to be a really good North Carolina team this year. A lot of people are picking them to only win eight games. If you can gel the Brandon Harris's, the Stanton Truitts. And also Cam Dillard and Khalil Rogers, who come from Florida and USC. This could be a really, really good offense. This could be really good. This this could scare a lot of people in the ACC, not only in the Coastal, but also in the Atlantic and also in the conference as a whole. Larry Fedora's gone out and got some really good players, really good graduate transfers to come in. Do I think that that North Carolina can can play can play in can play? Yes. Will they be in play? Yes. Are they a dark horse for me? Absolutely, absolutely. And I, and they're a dark horse for this reason. This is a team of pure, pure, pure destiny. You lose a guy like you lose a guy like like Ryan Switzer, who was drafted. You lose T.J. Logan. Who was drafted? Nick Waller, who is on a who's on the on the roster right now. This is this is 
it is 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 good. But you also have a kid like Freeman Jones, who I've seen kick before, who can who can who can, who can kick field goals. He's also he's also a kickoff specialist, like you know, he's also a kickoff specialist, and he he is he is pretty decent as as a kicker. Tom Sheldon, Tom Sheldon can punt. He's a good punter. He's a young punter. Um, I want to say I want to say he he he, can, he has all the different punts in his arsenal, but you know I, I've I've yet to see him punt the ball as much as I would like to. But defensively, you know you lose you lose Jim Kizik, who resigned for family reasons and also uh, became a analyst for the ACC Network. Um, lives in Charlotte now, so. Uh, you look at him, you look at him and, and everything, and you look and see who they brought in. Who was John Pap Papages, who is a guy who likes to run multiple offense, multiple defenses. He's like he, his defense reminds me a lot of of, Dave, of a Dave Aranda defense. He does run the bare front a lot. He does run a three-man front. But you'll see him use a lot of the 4-3 principles, and you'll also see him do a little bit more um, from a 3-4 from a set than you do. You'll see him do a lot of a 4-3. Of you'll also see him drop into a 3-4 set, use a bare-type type defense. Um, also use a... Um, also use a, a wide nine, uh, yeah, a, a wide nine technique, you know, type deal like you see in the, like a post wide nine. So that that in itself gives you something different. So I mean, yeah, like, like I said, you got ten players, yeah, you got ten, eleven, twelve players that are played on both sides of the ball. They're they're played on the offense side, the same amount on the defense side. They're played. Significant time. North Carolina, they're in play. They're they they are really much in play. Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech is going to give you the same thing that Georgia Tech's given you before. They're going to run it down your throat. They're not going to pass the ball. You know. And you look at a guy like JJ Green, who was a Georgia was a Georgia transfer. Uh, Matthew Jordan. Who didn't play much last year, you know, because of because of the because of uh, of a guy who was a really good guy, really good quarterback. Um, you lose, you lose, and I, his name, his name, I, Justin Thomas. Sorry, yeah, my his name, you know, left my head and came back. You lose a guy like Justin Thomas. But at the same time, Lawrence and Lance Austin on the defense side of the ball are going to give you something. Derrick Mills is going to give you something. J.J. Green, Clinton Lynch. I mean, those are all guys that, that fit real good in the option in the option formation. Matthew Jordan, you don't know what he's going to give you, even though he's a big guy, quarterback. He's a transgression type quarterback. He's an option quarterback. Is... Is this team good enough to win 
the nine games like they did last year. I don't I don't think so. I, as a matter of fact, they're they're a dark horse because they run an offense that you don't see every day. And that's what makes Georgia Tech such a viable such a valuable team in the coastal. They'll give you something different every year. But what they what they've given what they what they'll give you this year, I mean, I've seen them play a lot. <laughs> you know, the Bryce the Bruce Jordan Swillings, the Trey Swillings. You know, their father now their stepfather played at <laughs> played at Georgia Tech. Pat Swillings, Jaquan Henderson, I, I've seen play in person. Jalen Ashley, I've seen play in person. Damian Williams, I actually saw him at the Corky Field Classic. And I really think that if, in fact, as the rumor goes, this is Paul Johnson's last year at Georgia Tech, <coughs> they bring in somebody different as a head coach. I think you'll see the likes of Cameron Turley. I think you'll see the likes of, of Baron Ratcliffe, who are both who are both quarterbacks. Um, Baron Ratcliffe was a quarterback at Norcross. Turley was a quarterback at Mill Creek. If they change offenses, and if and if the rumor is true about Paul Johnson, him possibly stepping down after this season. If that's true, you've got two quarterbacks that could possibly come in and play quarterback for you that's on the baseball team. While the rumors, while they're both saying that they won't play, they won't play football if there's a new coach. But I think that you can do a little persuading to one or one or two, one maybe both of them, and see what they see what happens. So, hmm, let's just. Let's just stay tuned on that. Stay tuned on that. Do I like Georgia Tech as a whole? I like what they do offensively. It's different. But if they add a little bit of passing game to the option, I think they could possibly win the nine, ten games that they want to win. But until they do, until they don't, until they do that. I only see them winning seven, seven games, eight games. Very favorable schedule, though. Very favorable schedule. I mean, home home division games to Pittsburgh, North Carolina, Wake Forest, and Virginia Tech. And you also get Georgia at home at the end of the season. And you beat Georgia, you beat Georgia at Georgia last year. So that that gives you a lot there as well. I'm really interested in seeing what Georgia Tech brings differently this year because they didn't have the rushing yards like they like they normally did. Even though they were ninth in the nation, you know they were number one in the in, in the ACC last year, 258 yards a game. It's not it wasn't up to speed like like it normally is. And they're usually running like 300, 302, 
a game. Last year was an abomination. So even with a nine and four record. So and they did it with a quiet nine and four record. So is Georgia Tech in play? Yes. Georgia Tech is definitely in play. Let's look at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Pat Narduzzi and what he has there. Graduate transferring Max Brown from USC. Nathan Peterman, who played who played last year, was very very great. <coughs> Max Brown, who played at USC, kind of fizzled out at USC. Um, back in, got some great receivers to throw to this year. If he can get it together, when Max Brown gets it together, along with the running game they have, because you lose a guy. I mean, you really lose a guy in for Pittsburgh that was a that was a great inspiration to everybody. And James Conner, cancer survivor, tore MCL last year. He can he can be a big time. This could be a big time thing for George Aston. George Aston had had a pretty good year last year. Um, I want to say he had close to close close to 800 yards last year, a um, couple touchdowns, a few touchdowns. I, I want to say, um, yeah, five touchdowns. Um, you know, on a few rushes. I mean, he got the ball mostly in, in the short yardage situations, but. You know, as a fullback, you know, he brings he brings you toughness. But this Quadre Allison and AJ Davis is I mean the Quadre Allison, you know, was a, was uh last year he came back, you know, he only had a, only had almost two hundred yards rushing. But Quadre Henderson, who you moved to receiver who you moved from receiver to, to running back last year, gave you so much as a running back. But he wasn't a running back. I mean he was he was he was a receiver. He was running a lot of in rounds and, and things of that nature, jet sweeps and, and you know, things like that. So it's going to be very difficult to see what, what you see last year with Pittsburgh. They threw the ball a lot last year, averaged over 40 points a game under Matt Canada, who's now at LSU. Wonder what you're going to see under Josh Conklin. Uh, I'm sorry, Sean Watson. And I wonder what kind of defense you're going to see under Josh Conklin again, you know, with a lot of turnover on, on that back side. But you also have a safety in Jordan Whitehead, who I think is possibly one of the best safeties in, in the ACC. You know, and a lot of people say that he's in the mode of Darrell Revis. He can possibly, he could possibly go down and play a cover corner if need be. But he's a safety who can, you know, who can cover, who can cover receivers. You know, you don't see that much. But he's a ball hawk as well, and he's very smart. He, he is a Western Pennsylvania guy, so you, you know what you get out of the Western Pennsylvania kids. So this is how good this this could be a good thing for for Pittsburgh as a whole. I love Pitt. I think Pitt is a, is a bona fide player in the coastal. If they if they can get big wins, I mean, 
if they can get a win over if they can get a win over Georgia Tech and squeeze in some other wins like over North Carolina or, or Virginia Tech or even Miami at the end of the season. If they can squeeze out some wins, nine wins is not out of the realm of possibilities for them. And and spot in the, in the Coastal Division in in the in the Championship game is not out of the realm of possibilities. I love the fact that you may see that that may come down to November 24th, and that meeting against Miami for the Coastal Division. Pitt is one of those teams that that just gives you something different every year. But we haven't talked about Virginia Tech yet. And here's the thing about Virginia Tech that a lot of people don't really don't really understand. This is a Virginia Tech team that could that could win everything. They could win ten, eleven games this year. They've got a really good schedule. They got a really, really tough schedule. You know, you've got West Virginia and West Virginia's no pushover in the Big Twelve and I'll be talking about the Big Twelve next week. West Virginia is not a not a pushover. Delaware, Delaware's got some, they've got some problems there, you know, some rebuilding issues there at Delaware. East Carolina is going to be really good, you know, they always play tough. Old Dominion, um, Conference USA, going to be a tough game. But then you have the crossover game with Clinton, and then you have. North Carolina, you gotta go to Boston College. You gotta go to North Carolina. You gotta go. You got Boston College. You gotta go to Boston College. You have North Carolina and Duke at home. You also have Pittsburgh at home, which is a, which is a big big deal. That you have Pittsburgh at home, but you have to go to Miami. You have to go to you have to go to Georgia Tech. You have three tough games on the road in conference, but you also have other games against other teams that. Could possibly show you the way into not only into the playoffs if you can get ten wins or eleven wins or New Year's Six game if if you can if you can possibly pick off at least the top three and you win the coastal. I mean, I, I think this Virginia Tech team can win the coastal. Justin Fuente comes in from from Memphis and just does an amazing job after the the departure of <coughs> after the departure of, of Coach Beamer. And you have a guy like Bud Foster who decided to stay. Back on Nelson who who you brought in who you brought with you um last year. I mean this is this is a good team. They've got a lot of players coming back that that you just love, that you just love. I think if you can get a guy like Josh Jackson going, seeing him throw the ball, uh, seeing him throw the ball in their preseason camp, this is a guy who can, who can throw the deep ball. This is a guy who can also, also has to be consistent. He has to not let the game be bigger than him. That's what's going to make him – that's what's going to – Dictate how Virginia Tech goes. Um, and you lost out on a great quarterback in Malik Willis, who who flipped at the last moment from Virginia Tech to to Auburn. So 
I'm really excited to see what's going to happen with really excited to see what's going to happen with Virginia Tech. You know that they're going to score points. You know they're going to be good on the defense side of the ball. Nine ten wins is is nowhere near out of the realm of possibility. I think that they can win. No, I think they can win ten games. I think they could. I think they can possibly win even eleven games if if the ball rolls right. And I, I would say the same thing about Miami, but you don't know what you're going to get out of the quarterback position. And it's the same thing with Virginia Tech. You really don't know what you're going to get out of, out of the quarterback position. But if a guy like Josh Jackson can let the game play itself and he just plays, goes out and just plays the game and be smart with what he does, he's going to be just fine. I think this Virginia Tech team can and then will win 10, 11 games. You know, you have a Trayvon McMillan behind him. You have <clears throat> but you also have a number of a number of tailbacks that could play behind him. He's just gotta be a game manager. He's just gotta he's gotta go out and he's gotta play within himself. Tremaine Edmonds, you know we're gonna get you know what's gonna get out of Tremaine Edmonds, you know we're gonna get out of twin brother Terrell. So, I mean, you know what you're gonna get out of those guys. Your your front seven is possibly your front seven and your and your secondary is probably going to be probably going to rule the day for you. And with Virginia Tech, that that's scary. That that's a scary thing to say. But and that's all the that's all the teams in the in the in the coastal. So, what do I think about the coastal? The coastal is going to be very going to be pretty wide open. But you do have two. You do have two dark horses, and Duke. Will 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 be a player in in the, in the coastal as well, but do I think Duke will win the coastal? No, I think the Duke will will play spoiler. I think Duke can get like I said six, seven wins, eight wins is not out of the realm of possibility. But you look at the you look at the look at the other at the other five. This is a five horse race in the coastal: Miami, Virginia Tech, Pittsburgh, North Carolina, and Georgia Tech. You don't, I mean. You don't know what you're going to get out of Georgia Tech. If you can get the rushing game going, and if you can get a little bit of a passing game going at Virginia Tech, I mean, I'm sorry, at Georgia Tech, this could be a team that could that could turn into an unstoppable team. They can win eight, eight, nine games, ten games at the most. But with Georgia Tech, they've got to pick off at least three of the top, at least three of the top four, three of the of the, of the four. It's going to be very hard, but they, like I said, they've got home games. They've got the home games to. They have the home games to, to make this very interesting. So, that being said, I mean, you have to go to Miami, but you have North Carolina at home. You got got Pittsburgh at home. You got North Carolina at home. That. If you can pick off big wins there, you also have Virginia Tech at home. So you get a win there. I mean, there's there, there's a lot of possibilities there. It's not as wide open as people think, but it is a five horse race. <laughs> I like Miami. I think Miami wins nine games, ten games at the most. I think it's gonna come down to Miami Virginia Tech. 
don't discount Pittsburgh. Don't discount North Carolina. They all have to play each other. The Coastal will cannibalize itself as well in the top with the top five. Does that leave? Does that give Duke a possibility? Duke has to win at least. They have to pick off wins at least three. At least three of the other three of the five. So you look at it from that standpoint. I like Miami. I like Virginia. Miami, Virginia Tech, Pittsburgh, Georgia Tech, then North Carolina, Duke, and Virginia. Who makes it out? I I say that you'll have a Virginia, a Miami Florida State ACC championship game like the ACC wanted in the beginning, when the way that they set up the conferences. But I think it's also time that the ACC possibly look at a realignment type deal where you do a north south uh, type alignment. And the way I would do it, I would I would split North Carolina. You have four schools in North Carolina. I think that you put you put Duke in North Carolina in 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 one in one division, and I think you put Wake Forest and and NC State in the other division, and then you put Virginia Virginia Tech together along with. I mean, you put NC State and NC State and Wake Forest together. You put Virginia Virginia Tech together. Along with Pittsburgh, Syracuse, and Boston College, and that's that's the North, you know. And then you look at the South. I mean, you have Miami, Florida State, Clemson, Miami, Florida State, Clemson, NC State. I'm sorry, um, Duke, North Carolina, and Georgia Tech. That's that's your South. So. You can. I think it's time to get away from the Atlantic and Coastal, kind of like how the Big Ten got away from the leaders and legends, because the leaders and Le- the leaders division and legends division just didn't work out. It didn't make sense. So it just didn't make sense. So I think it's I think it's time that the ACC possibly gets into aligning aligning them geographically. So. That being said, Miami, Florida State in in the ACC championship game, I think Florida State wins. I'm sorry, Clemson, Miami. <laughs> I think I think Clemson, Miami in the in the ACC championship game, Clemson winning the ACC win the ACC championship. I think they also get a playoff spot. Um so again, I mean, there's there's three of my four right there. Um, you know, I think I think Alabama gets in. I think Ohio State gets in. I think Clemson gets in. There's three of the four right there. <coughs> I think the fourth comes uh, comes out of the out of the Big Twelve, and you'll hear my predictions on the Big Twelve next week. But we're gonna take a quick station break. We'll be right back. We're gonna wrap up. Y'all stay tuned. DesertStormRadio.com 
DesertStormRadio.com, your global DJ network, brought to you by the world-famous DJ Clue. Welcome back to the Press Box and the Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine. The main event is in the building. Got a few more moments here on the show today, and I just want to I want to give a shout out to to uh, a couple people. Um, coach Tanner Glisson of the Two Pie Tigers, head football coach. Very proud, very proud of you, and very proud of the previous coaches. Uh, we had two players that played. Um, they played against each other in the preseason game. Uh, Maurice Swain and um and uh <coughs> Maurice Swain and um and former Alabama linebacker um oh my goodness. His name just just Ruben Foster. I, I don't know why why I couldn't think of his name. Ruben Foster um, and Maurice Swain actually played against each other uh, in the preseason game. Uh, Maurice Swain, who was uh, who was a free agent signing of of Detroit, was released by Detroit, went to uh, KC, played played in a uh, game against San Francisco against KC uh, um, for KC. Had a pretty good showing um, for himself. A lot of people thought that he was just going to be a camp body, but um, he did have a pretty good showing for himself um, yesterday, so I'm, I'm really uh, I'm really I'm really excited for for the future of the Two Pot Tigers. Uh, also, very special shout out to um, to my man, my nephew Jamil, uh, who's uh, back in the studio working on something new. Uh, y'all stay tuned on that. Um, Check out his check out his website JamilHouston dot com. Also, you know his CD Wave. I mean, the dude's got some talent, and you'll be hearing some of his music pretty soon. Uh, also, shout out to um, to Ray Baker and Underground Sounds. Also, shout out to Marquise Wineglass, uh, B Three, the Boss Lady, uh, Monica Brewer, um, T Rex, Dadman Wendy, the whole Live by Terrence Network family. The Desert Storm Network for for giving me this opportunity to share my love for sports, you know, on a grand on a grand scale, and also um, to to you who the listeners are listening to this, and just know that you know all your dreams can come true if you if you let them come true. If you dream it, you can achieve it. Um, one of the things that that I take that I take that I take pride in is is showing my love, and I think the late Quentin Grove said it best: "Know the vision, trust the process." And I'm seeing my vision, I'm trusting the process, and everything's going to work out in my favor. And Lord willing, I'll be I'll be doing this again next week with you guys. So everybody, y'all have a great week. Y'all have a great, y'all have a great weekend. Zero week. Go out and support your local football teams. And <laughs> yo, Connor Cassidy, yo, holla at your boy. We all got dreams. Everybody, y'all take care. Let's go tailgating. Yeah, I feel you're someone that's 
not only concerned with what's happening right now, but with your legacy as well. Um, what is the legacy that you're looking to leave behind? That I changed the world and I have fun doing it. got dreams, I keep a rolling cause we all got dreams, hey, I keep a rolling cause we all got dreams, I keep a rolling cause we all got dreams, right, I keep a rolling cause we all got dreams, I keep a rolling cause we all got dreams, yeah, I keep a rolling cause we all got dreams, I keep a rolling cause we all got The way I see it, it's only me and my team Motivated by pictures of places I've never been It's gonna leave the city and search for some better things My fam and a couple dollars, that's all that's left in my jeans Ain't accepted by nothing, we gunning by any means Wide awake on the surface, inside I'm living this dream Of going city to city with stories of what I've seen Lost in the translation, the mind of a human being I'm riding on life's pavement and trying to find what it means Fighting for something stronger than bottles of Jimmy Bean Study the moves of legends from Bob Marley to Queens, but drawing my inspiration from Rage Against the Machine. Saw it as a motivation and fueling my self-esteem. Could have been stationary instead on stations I scheme. Throw myself on a road to becoming something I've seen. It's just the sound of a gentleman getting after his dreams. Run it. <laughs> uh, Run it. Booth right now. Yeah. Run it. You're gonna have to turn that loud down. <laughs> uh, uh. What? Gentlemen, again, after his dreams, running. Got dreams, I keep a rolling cause we all got dreams. I keep a rolling cause we all got dreams. I keep a rolling cause we all got dreams. Boy, I keep a rolling cause we all got dreams. I keep a rolling cause we all got dreams. Yeah, I keep a rolling cause we all got I keep a rolling cause we all got Let's take it back to 09. Walking for Arizona's cause none of us have rides. Simple minus some stoners, we got nothing but time. Now don't it sound bad? I'm talking back when Cuddy was the soundtrack. Pursuit of happiness playing, just let it breathe. I'm kicking back with my people, I swear it's all that I need. Endless vibe on a planet of simply being at ease. Started searching for freedom and ended up in the trees. I'll tell you, there's nothing hardly that's replicating a feel. Party until the AM with rhythm turning the wheels. The trials of adolescence, they hella sacred for real. From the way that I'm feeling, it's like I'm living them still. We born to carry the mission, carrying on tradition. Introduce them what's missing, and young minds that are lifted. I throw myself on the road of living by higher means. This just the sound of me getting after my dreams. Run it. Keep a rolling cause we all got dreams. Keep a rolling cause we all got dreams. I keep a rolling cause we all got dreams. I keep a rolling cause we all got dreams. Keep a rolling cause we all got dreams. I keep a rolling cause we all got dreams. Yo, 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 yo. Check it out. Hey. Uh. So my mama, I'ma be a potter before a leader. Let me explain. I'ma use these two hands to create my dreams. Cash is the root of the evil around me. I mean what I'm speaking, call the truth and you call it deep. 
nigga. Understand, there's a God who's sitting above you, making a note of every time you struggle, but never forget that ending is nothing without the plot leading up to it. He brought you to it, he gon' lead you through it, know that it's real. And my faith is a trophy, I have to prove it. See, I was born a king who just grew accustomed to losing, but I learned the only way to stand out is to be outstanding. So, demand your greatness, despite of what the demand is. Drink, drink. DesertStormRadio.com, your global DJ network, brought to you by the world-famous DJ Clue. Clue. DesertStormRadio.com. Com. 